0: I want you to go through the whole Quran with me. Join me at bayina.tv إِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيْسَىٰ إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ وَرَافِعُكَ إِلَيَّ وَمُطَهِّرُكَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَجَاعِلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوكَ فَوْقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ إِلَيَّ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَأَحْكُمُ بَيْنَكُمْ فيما كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُون رب لي صدري أمري من لساني قولي فالحمد لله والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أما بعد. once again everybody السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. Uh, we're gonna try to look at ayah number fifty four of surah al imran today and see if we can get through at least some of the basic lessons of ayah number fifty five and i'll take a deeper look at it in the next coming days InshaAllah ta'ala. وما كروا ومكر الله والله خير المكارين. And the easy translation of this would be they conspired, or they schemed, and Allah schemed, which is sounds inappropriate, but we'll we'll deal with that in a little bit. And Allah is the best of all those who can scheme. وما كروا وما كر الله والله خير المكارين. المسألة الأولى أصل مكر في اللغة السعي بالفساد في خ خفية ومدجعات. Uh, the problem, the first issue that occurs is the word Makar which I translated as schemed or conspired is used when you are making efforts to do something corrupt secretly obviously the word scheming hey what are you guys scheming doesn't sound like you're doing something good when you're conspiring a conspiracy is not something good planning is a good word but conspiring and conspiracy is not a good word scheming is not a good word so I'm, why am I using a negative word now that's okay if the enemies of Isa alayhi salam were secretly having their plans and making you know, whatever, whatever a conspiracy is to try to attack him, or to frame him, or to get him arrested, or to get him killed—all of those things are makr. Fine, but the problem in the ayah is that it's being attributed to who? Allah Azza wa Jalla. makar Allah, and so we have to deal with that problem. the The thing is that in Quranic phrasing and in classical Arabic phrasing, there's a concept. Basically, you can call it al reflection. What that means is. For example, if you know how you've you heard tit for tat before? Tit for tat, right? So if you know if you do something, I'll respond in kind. So the idea is if someone does something evil, the phrase in Arabic is we will respond to evil with evil. But actually, what it means is we'll respond to evil accordingly, appropriately. Okay? And the way to phrase that in Arabic, old Arabic phrasing Is to use the identical verb to suggest We're going to have an equal but effective response to what they did It doesn't actually mean the same act is being done by both parties It actually means they have like كيدا كيدا. Like that, right? They make a scheme, I make a scheme Actually similar, similar word But they're also, they're making a scheme And I am responding to their scheme A, A way to think about this ayah is They schemed and Allah responded to their scheming That's the way to think about this ayah And this kind of phrasing Where the same word is used by one party And in response by the other party This is a common occurrence of phrasing in the Qur'an And this is how you're supposed to think of it it's not actually they did something bad and something bad was done by Allah in response. No, as a matter of fact, they did their scheming to do whatever harm they could and Allah had his own scheme in response. Allah had his own plan in response to undo the effects of their evil schemes. And then he adds at the end, Wallahu khayrul الْمَاكِرِينَ There are multiple places in the Qur'an where Allah speaks about the, the scheming of those who want to undermine uh, Islam those who want to make efforts against deen and those who want to cause corruption in the case of prophets kill prophets and things like that the common trend, the thread between them is they are doing this behind the scenes so their face value is something else and what's going on behind the scenes wama تُخْفِي صُدُورُهُمْ akbar. later on in the same surah whatever their hearts are hiding inside whatever their chests have inside of them is much bigger you know qad afwahu. You know qad bi afwahihim wa akbar Animosity has already come out of their mouths they've already expressed some degree of animosity so you can tell that they don't like the believers very much but what they haven't said and what they have inside of them is even worse and in, as a result of that makrul nahar Quran will say they're going they're scheming night and day they're getting together holding secret meetings to make sure that the deen is undermined إِذْ يَمْكُرُوا بِكَ الَّذِينَا كَفَرُوا in Al-Anfal when disbelievers were making a scheme against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to try to kill him that had to be an elaborate scheme because if one tribe is arrested or found that the killer was from one particular tribe then every or one family that that family can become part of a civil war so we have to make it look like it was a collaborative effort and we didn't nobody gets to point a finger at one, any one family so scheming had to be done يمكرون, Allah says you weren't with them when they were making their schemes when they were getting all of their plans together so the idea here is that Isa is already, we already know, he's not, he doesn't have generals and strategists and intellectuals and political scientists and, you know, police officers and authorities on his side, he's got people that, day laborers, that's who he has on his side, and on the other side you've got politicians, you've got thinkers, you've got schemers, you've got intellectuals that are holding meetings about how to destroy, how to, how to undermine. This is also something that's a lot of times in our our day and age Muslims become very um, paranoid about There are entire university departments dedicated to studying the problem of Islam growing in Europe The problem of Islam in America A study of the Muslim communities I remember the Rand Corporation back in the day releasing its paper on the Muslim communities in America and Classifying them and fragmenting them They even held a meeting one time I recall I was made privy to this meeting Um, They they called imams and leaders of Islamic organizations From different parts of North America National organizations, major masajid, etc Of course people that are from different jama'at Different groups, different schools of thought So they're slightly different from each other And they sat them down on this round table And they said, please discuss the future of Islam in America What is your vision for the future of Islam in America? Not five minutes went by And everybody's fighting everybody else on the table There's yelling and screaming going on And the experts who invited them, the non-Muslim experts, are just ( PTSS) Like, we're their test subjects And they put us in this, you know like those rats that go into those experiments That's what we are, and we're playing their game And now they're studying, oh these guys don't like those guys because of this issue And they are in this region, and they're they're doing an entire study How do you undermine each of these organizations because they hate each other anyway? (laughs) The scheming is not something small Zula minhul jibal. I mean, their 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 scheming sometimes is so powerful, it could bring mountains down. When this ayah was revealed, their scheming is so grand, it could bring mountains down. We wouldn't imagine at that time, mountains could be brought down. Now it's not even that hard to imagine. That Allah says, their scheming is so powerful, it can bring mountains down. You know? So... The idea that we get intimidated, we get overwhelmed by this, this suggested scheming of the disbelievers, the enemies of Islam that are conspiring to gather resources and gather intelligence and spy and survey and, th- and then come up with a plan to undermine or completely dis- decimate Islam. When we start obsessing over that, Allah azza over and over again responds by saying, you have your part to do. You, your concern is not their schemes. Your concern is not their schemes. Why? makaru, Who's responding to their schemes? Wa Makaru, wa Makar Allah. Think about the, the Meccan Qur'an. So much of the Qur'an was revealed in Mecca. And the Meccans were very protective of their c- political structure. The more Islam was spreading, the more they felt threatened that their business practices, their social practices, their cultural practices, and their political structure is being threatened. So they were constantly making schemes and holding meetings to discuss the problem of Islam Now what happens when somebody says, hey by the way, they're holding a meeting, they're talking about you Yeah, what are they saying? What do they conclude? Who attended the meeting? How many people were there? Are they meeting again? How many times have they been meeting? What are they, what, what's their plan? You get paranoid, you're like, what are they gonna do? What are they, what are they thinking about us now? You know, I remember the days, uh, you know, soon after 9-11 in the United States Muslims were so paranoid You know, they're building concentration camps Just like the Japanese Brother, you have to give a khutbah about that I was like, if I give a khutbah or not They're still building it, if they're building it uh, My khutbah ain't gonna change it They're not gonna look Oh, the guy gave a khutbah, lower the fence a little bit <laughs> It's not gonna happen And wh- what is that going to And by the way, they're holding these secret agenda meetings And they're they're making a different Qur'an And they're gonna put it on Amazon I was like That's not gonna sell very well then They could try Who's taking responsibility for protecting Quran? Allah Why are you so You're gonna protect Quran? You're gonna do it? Really? No You're not That's already taken care of Schemes of the enemies of Islam Hidden schemes of the enemies of Islam Are not something that's supposed to make you paranoid Your job is to just understand Allah. Allah is responding. They did it, and the idea even of they, the, the pronoun being used, is to suggest a kind of ambiguity and secrecy. Allah didn't name who they are. He just said they schemed. And in response, Allah responded to their scheme. And Allah is the best of all that can ever make a scheme. And yet, that last phrase, Wallahu Khairul makirin, is what we call, as you will learn soon, a Jumla Ismiyah. And in that Jumla Ismiyah, there's actually a Mudaf and a Mudafilay. Oh, look at that, you know about that one. Khayru is a mudaf. Al makirina is the mudaf ilay. Okay? The best of all, that plan. And when you use the ism fa'il al makirin at the end, of those who plan, the, this, the idea of using a noun or an ism is that it's timeless, meaning not just this plan. Not just the plan that they made against Isa and the plan that Allah made to respond to Isa السلام, the scheme against Isaac but ever again anywhere in the world and everywhere in human history and everyone everywhere in human future, whenever there are going to be those who scheme, never forget Allah makes the best of all plans. And Allah resp- and they don't even know that their little plan is part of what? Allah's plan. You ever see like, I mean, you guys don't watch movies because you're Islamic, so. Sometimes they have these movies where the police the, the criminal is running, but the police already has him surrounded completely. So they say, go ahead and run. No, no, take a run, take a right, take a left. And the cop car's already there waiting at the end, the guy's eating his donut. Like, when are you gonna get here? That was pretty slow. I was expecting you 30 seconds ago. The criminal's plan to run and escape was already part and parcel of the police's plan. And that's even a part of almost mocking their plan. You understand? This is why we have to think about history and world events differently. All of them are part of Allah's plan. All events, the good and the bad, are part of Allah's plan. You know, one of the most interesting places in the Quran to understand this is Surah Al-Isra. In Surah Al-Isra, Allah describes the destruction of Jerusalem. Historically Jerusalem was destroyed a couple of times He says Very strange ayah Allah says that we appointed over you We, we overran you with servants With slaves that served us Slaves that served us Now this is interesting phrasing Because normally you say ibadana. Our slaves. But the ayah says, No, no. There's a kind of a tabeed It's like, they're not exactly our slaves as in they worship us, but they don't even know they're serving our scheme. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the people that attacked Jerusalem, the ones who ransacked it, were disbelievers, pagans, idol worshippers, and destroyed the masjid. They destroyed al-masjid al-aqsa. They killed Muslims. And Allah says, they don't even know that they were part of a scheme that Allah had hashed. A plan that Allah had hashed. And they were servants of ours without even knowing that they're servants of ours. How many times in history has it happened that those that came and ransacked the Muslims and attacked and conquered and pillaged themselves end up taking shahada? Themselves end up becoming the next wave of the Ummah, the next wave of Islam. So here, wallahu khairul makireen, and Allah, that's okay. Let it roll slowly. It adds to the drama. So Allah is the best of all that makes schemes And has always been there to respond to any of the conspiracies that take place Against the believers seen and unseen The idea of uh, uh, The the idea of Makr also is uh, Al-Mamkura comes from it Imra'atun Mamkura Ayy Mujtami'ata Al-Khalq وإحكام الرأي Meaning someone who is complete in every way Every dimension of it has been thought They think of a woman who is well refined All of her characteristics are refined And she very thought out in her opinions They call her mamkura Right, so she's a sharp lady The idea is their plans are not like Hodgepodge They're very well thought out plans And yet they are part of Allah's plan Now The next ayah is the ayah of A great source of debate Especially more recently There's discussion about you know, skepticism about the return of Isa alayhi salam, whether he's coming back or not. Should we re- can we rely on the ahadith uh, that disca- describe his coming back? Some people have an issue with it because they believe that if Isa alayhi salam is coming back, how is Rasulullah the final messenger and these kinds of issues? And I'll tell you personally where I what I'm convinced of first before we get into this. I'm convinced from a number of angles that there is certainly a return of Isa alayhi salam. Like there seems to be overwhelming evidence That there is such a thing as the return of Jesus In Islamic literature, in authentic Islamic literature The ahadith are pretty solid uh, And they're numerous But actually even if you don't look at the ahadith at all If let's just say the body of hadith is not there For a moment, pretend it's not there And we're just looking at the Qur'an The Qur'an does not speak about the return of Jesus explicitly but it certainly talks about it implicitly And very strong implicit evidence Okay I've discussed some of this evidence in a previous lecture in When we were about ayah 50 or 49 Somewhere over there We've talked about how Quran hints at the return of Jesus Of the coming back of Isa This is one of those ayat that have been used by some To describe that he's not coming back That he actually died Before I get to the ayah I do want to share with you that within those Who believe that he is coming back there are two views. Basically, it boils down to two views. One view is that when he was about to be crucified, before he could even be crucified, he was raised, the angels burst in, raised him up into the sky, alive. Physically alive, and he's still alive. And then he's going to be brought back. He's basically, his age is suspended, and he's going to be brought back the age that he left. Okay, so he's in, in, you know, in Allah's company now, and then eventually he's brought back down. Another view is that in fact he was given death At the time And his, his, after death he was raised And Allah will bring him back to life And bring him down Meaning he's going to have a resurrection of sorts okay? Now this idea of the dead coming back to life Is not something alien in the Quran You've got for example The, 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 the deceased in the, in the story of Musa salam and the cow somebody who was dead was brought back to life you've got the Prophet at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah who said how will, God, how will Allah bring this to life after his death Allah gave him death for a hundred years then he raised him again so the idea of someone being given death and then being given life again in this world is not something alien. You can't say, well, in Islam, the only time we have death and being brought back to life is in the afterlife. That's not the case. As a matter of fact, even um, the Israelites, right? Like the, the, the loud explosion seized you, the Israelites were told, and then we resurrected all of you after you had died while you were still staring. So this idea of resurrection happening even in the world is something mentioned on numerous occasions, particularly relevant to the story of the Israelites. Particularly in Israelite history, you find references to this idea of being given death and being brought back to life. The, uh, uh, another kind of uh, an orientation point that is important to, I think, revisit, is that this surah, in the beginning of this surah, Allah said, that he decides, listen to this carefully now, he decides what he should make clear and what he should not make clear. Okay, so some parts of the ayat, some parts of the revelation are muhkamat. some are mutashabihat, wa mutashabihat. Allah decided, now the thing is, if you think of Allah as the teacher, because he does say, allama al-Qur'an, he taught the Qur'an. When you think of a teacher, you expect the teacher will make sure he clarifies what? Everything. And here you have Allah, the Divine Teacher, saying, I made some things unclear purposely. Purposely. That means that making something unclear also has a lesson. Also has a purpose. The problem is, if the lesson itself is unclear, then its purpose is also what? Unclear I don't know why you made it unclear I have no idea And so it becomes a real problem for some people That something has not been made explicitly clear And they want it to be explicitly explicitly clear And Allah says That's actually one of its purposes I want to see how many of you Can listen to something that I say That I made deliberately unclear And you're still okay We believe in all of it it's all from Allah, it's from our from Rabb And I'm not, I'm not going to try to make What he made unclear into something explicitly clear Is it explicitly clear that Isa salam Died and was raised and will be resurrected? No Is it explicitly clear that he was still alive and he was taken up? No Allah d- decided not to tell us <laughs> This is Allah's decision That he decided not to tell us Obviously when Allah decides not to tell you something There's going to be what he describes himself as hikmah there has to be a wisdom and you have to trust Allah's wisdom that's part of the orientation in studying Allah's book what he didn't want you to know super clearly he didn't want you to know and it's really interesting isn't it because the death particularly the death and the future events in in what transpired right after the alleged death of Jesus is some of the most controversial most debated history in the world Like there's more work done on the death of this man or the alleged death of this man or the resurrection of this man and what exactly happened than any other figure in the world. And Allah decided that He's going to give you bits and pieces and keep the rest of the mystery on on purpose. If there's only one who could have solved this mystery it would have been who? Allah Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. But He didn't. He actually gave us just enough for us to know He was raised, but what exactly happened He won't say. So now, what what does Allah say to him? When when Allah Azza said, "Isa, Inni certainly I have raised you." I'm translating this almost in the past tense. Mutawaffika. Let me tra- let me explain why for Arabic students why I'm translating this almost as a past tense. In the Arabic language, the ism fa'il should occur as nakira if it is to be understood as the future. Inni jailun. خَلِيفَةً I'm going to place a khalifa on the earth ja'ilun. That should be nakira. But if it occurs as a mudaf Okay Then actually it's already done اني imam. إِمَامًا I've already made you imam for people The way to understand that simply an easy example I, I know this is a little bit more advanced Arabic But you'll get there eventually inshaAllah هُوَ قَاتِلٌ رَجُلًا means he's going to kill a man. He hasn't killed him yet. But if you make it a mudaf and you say huwa qatilu rajulin. Huwa qatilu rajulin is already done. He already killed him. Look at the words inni mutawaffika. I've already taken you. I've already taken you. It's a mudaf meaning it's already. Done. Now the purpose of that is, one possible implication is It's as good as done, this is guaranteed to happen Even though if it ha- hasn't happened yet Consider it done Consider it absolutely done It could also be That this word is being given to Isa After he's been raised Like he's been raised And then Allah says to him I have now raised you I've already, I've already taken you There are those who argue that the word Mutawafika comes from the verb ta'wafa. And tawafa means to die. Tawaffa actually doesn't mean to die. In Arabic, tuwufiyah, the maj- mabdeel al majhul, can be understood as death. So even in modern Arabic, Tawaffa, fi sanat kada wa kada, right? He died in that year, is used. But let's understand that word. It comes from wafa, which means fulfillment. Awfa is used in the Quran to fulfill promises. Awfa bi ahdihi. Okay? Tawaffa, and by the way, Awfa means to give in full. When you fulfill a promise, you gave what was owed in full. Okay? Tawaffa means to take in full. So, awfa is giving in full, and Tawaffa is taking in full. Mutawaffi is the one who takes fully, takes completely. Some have used this word to say, well, the phrase is used for death, so it must mean Allah is saying to Isa, I am giving you, or I have given you, death. I'm the one that has taken you away, and of course it's used in the Quran when the angels take the soul away. So by context, it could mean that I've given you death just like the angels typically come and take, but I'm responsible for giving you a special kind of death. Allah says, Allahu anfus Allah takes the souls away or takes the people away at the time of their death. The interesting thing about that, the counter-argument I want you to understand, is, wa ida When two words that are similar are together, then definitely there's a difference between them. You'll find the word tawafi used in the Qur'an for death only when the word death is mentioned. (laughs) Allahu يتوافّى الأنفس حين موتها فهناك فرق بين التوافّي والموت لأنهما اجتمعا. They're together, so there's got to be a difference between tawafi and موت. One of the most interesting places is حَتَّى يَتَوَفَّى هُنَّ الْمَوْتُ أَوْ يَجْعَلُ اللَّهُ لَهُنَّ Allah says about women that are supposed to be under house arrest as a punishment, He says, until death takes them away. Look at the phrase that I'm translating, until death takes them away. If tawafi by itself is enough to communicate death, then why do you need the word death? Why do you need the word موت؟ Hatta يُتَوَفَّيْنَا Until they're taken away. No, until death takes them away. In other words, the idea of being taken away is not necessarily the equivalent of death unless death is mentioned in proximity. So in the Qur'an, when those who argue tawafī means death, I would argue it only means death when death is mentioned. <laughs> it's not death when death is not mentioned by itself. I have taken you away. I have taken you in full. And which is, I mean, the most explicit case again in Surah nisa Because, you know, otherwise, if you think wafi means death, how are you going to translate, al Until death dies for them? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Until death takes them away. By the way, why is wafi used for death anyway? It's used because, you know, in English, even, in other languages, somebody says, oh, my grandpa was taken away from us last year. Or this poor child, his parents were taken away in a car accident. What does that mean? They died. So it's a figure of speech for death. Which is why it can be used for death But it doesn't necessarily mean death, does it? It could be that somebody says His parents were taken away last year Maybe because they were immigrants in the United States And it's the Trump administration That could happen too Parents were taken away It doesn't necessarily have to mean what? Death, right? So, إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ Then he says, وَرَافِعُكَ ilayya, And I have raised you towards me I have, And I'm translating again in the past tense I have raised you Towards me My rationale for transiting it in the past tense It's an idafa Not rafi'un iyaka. Wa iyaka rafi'un No Rafi'uka ilayya I have raised you towards myself Some have interpreted this to mean Allah raises people in ranks minkum <laughs> darajatin Allah raises people in ranks So it means that Isa Is a very high rank with Allah But in the context of it I'm taking you away and raise it, I have raised you towards myself. It sounds all too physical, doesn't it? But like you have to make an extra effort to translate this metaphorically and kind of ignore what's being very explicitly stated. I have raised you towards myself. Even the word ilah. If you want to talk about raising in ranks, again, the qualifying word is darajat. Allah doesn't just say, he says, Allah raises them. Raises them how? Wait, what time? how much time does it Two say? Minutes. Two minutes. Ooh, wow, I didn't even start. Okay. So to raise them by itself is just to raise. We raise the mountain. Does that mean to raise the mountain in barakah and darajat? No, it, when you don't qualify it, it actually means just raise. If you want to say figuratively I have raised you in status, raised you in honor, raised you in something, then you have to mention what that in is, that's a mumayyiz, that's a qualifier. There's no the mumayiz here. Rafi'uka. And the only thing is ilayya, towards myself. And towards is clearly, explicitly used for direction. And then, interestingly enough, مِنَ كَفَرُوا And I have purified you from those who disbelieved. How are you going to translate that figuratively? Figuratively it would mean that I have removed kufr from you. This is not what it means. It actually physically means you are now in pure company. And I have now removed evil company from you. Meaning the Israelites that were trying to scheme and try to kill you, that had surrounded you, that had encircled you, I have cleansed you from that society. I have removed you from them altogether. وَمُطَهِّرُكَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ كفر there's only one minute left so we'll talk about more of this tomorrow but I'll give you just one little bit well, just to give you an idea of how this may very well be talking about his return الَّذِينَ فَوْقَ الَّذِينَ and those who have followed you I will make them above those who have disbelieved when Jesus was allegedly crucified or taken either way were they true followers of Jesus ever in a position of dominance no the only time the Christian people came into dominance is after they, men- they added shirk to the faith and if they added shirk to the faith then they can't be those who followed Jesus ladina those who followed you if they followed Jesus they would never say he is the son of God. So, if he's saying in this ayah, I have made those who followed you above those who disbelieved. I have given them dominance. That is impossible to understand historically. Some argued, well, eventually the Roman Empire came about. But when the Roman Empire came about, they stopped following Jesus. But according to the hadith narrations, when he comes back, the people that are going to be with him are going to be what? Following him. And they're going to be following him against those who disbelieve. And this is going to go on until this is one of the last things that happens before what? The day of resurrection. So you find, وَجَاعِلُ الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوكَ فَوْقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ I mean, the, the hints in the ayat are so strong that it takes a lot of gymnastics to think this ayah is not saying that Jesus is coming back. It's, it's too hard to look at it that way and not look at what's being very explicitly said about his return so we'll discuss more of that tomorrow inshallah ta'ala barakallahu li wa lakum wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh